Hello, welcome to the Horopod Scopecast, the often trod to hope fast. At the, the often trod road to hope fast. As in, if your prediction for your sign is hopeful, and you're a regular listener, I guess? This month, we're bringing you a very special episode of the podcast, as it's a very special time of the horoscopological year. But that's enough from me about that, as a very special guest will be joining us to tell you all about that in a really quite special way. So let's tread that often trod road now with some predictions. Sagittarius, the 22nd of November to the 21st of December. For you, this month is going to be like a stopped clock. An absolute waste. Capricorn, the 22nd of December to the 19th of January. The underpaid package delivery gig worker of fate has left a note in the letterbox of your destiny. It reads, You weren't in so the good things that were coming to you have been left with your neighbour. Aquarius, the 20th of January to the 18th of February. For you, this month is going to be like a stopped clock, full of expensive repairs. Pisces, the 19th of February to the 20th of March. There's no way to sugarcoat it, Setbacks are headed your way. The only way to deal with them is to foster a new mindset. And, according to the internet, doing that the right way can take four to six months and include a home visit, child safety assessment, and a face-to-face -face meeting. So get started early. And now, for part one of our very special interview. I'm joined by, well, maybe actually you'd like to introduce yourself to the listeners. Absolutely. I'm Marjorie Gandolfo, and I'm head of the Celestial Navigational Research Unit at the Observatory of Royal Greenwich. Wow. So, uh, sorry, I, I knew your reputation, but I didn't think I was aware that you worked at the Royal Observatory. That's amazing. Oh, no, let me just cut you off there. It's the Observatory of Royal Greenwich, not the Royal Observatory at Greenwich. Easy mistake, I know, but we're not allowed to let people think that since the court ruling. Still, if not THE Royal Observatory. Categorically not. No if. Sorry, we have to be very clear. The judge was, well, very clear about that. Okay, but still, a Royal Observatory. The Royal Charter isn't nothing in this day and age. That's something to be proud of. Again, sorry, just to hammer this home. It's Greenwich which is royal, not us. Here's a bit of history. The whole of the area belongs to the crown. It was actually given to Charles I by the Duke of Monmouth as a gift the day before he was executed. The king or the duke? Both, actually. He was in prison, so giving him a gift was a pretty spicy thing to do. Obviously, the king's execution got more focus. <laughs> Obviously. Was the duke beheaded as well? No, actually. He was pushed off the spire of Chichester Cathedral. Pushed off? 
Yeah, again, giving the king a whole town the day before his execution did not make him any friends. But we're not here to talk history, interesting as it is. So I wondered, uh, as a sort of preamble to what we are here for, maybe you could tell the listeners what the Celestial Navigation Research Unit does. Absolutely. We're basically a research institution. Like a university? Legally, absolutely not. But that sort of thing. And we've been conducting research for years into the night sky. The stars, the planets, the various moving lights that the government doesn't want us to talk about. Right. Uh, as a horoscopological broadcast, the stars are the horopod scopecast's stock in trade. Ah, uh, bread and butter, if you will. I won't. What? I'm lactose and gluten intolerant. Oh, no, it's just a... Very serious condition? Yeah, I know. No, I, I, I just mean we're deeply interested in the stars all year round. As are we. But this month is a very special month for the stars, isn't it? Yes, it is. That's right. We're currently in what's called a leap year. Leap's an acronym. It stands for Lunar Extended Astronomical Period. If that sounds a bit technical, don't worry. All it means in layman's terms is that this year is an extra day in length. 366 instead of 365. And, of course, that on that extra day, the stars go absolutely bonkers. And there'll be more from that interview later in the show. Aries. The 21st of March to the 19th of April. As Shakespeare wrote... A rosé by any other name would taste just as sweet. So, with the bard's approval, you're going to be getting into wine tasting this month. Taurus, the 20th of April to the 20th of May. They say that one swallow doesn't make a summer, but what if the thing you're swallowing is Tropico Loco from Durham Springs? Tropico Loco is a new tropical-inspired water developed by Durham Springs Laboratoire Hydro. Forget that synthetic taste of mango or lab-grown passion fruit that other supposedly tropical thirst quenchers offer. Tropico Loco recreates the genuine flavour of water at the tropics. It's like taking a sip of water from a Jamaican port or lapping up the sea on the beaches of Mexico. With no calories and packed with salt, sediments and more than your RDA of heavy metals, start the summer now with your first swallow of Tropico Loco from Durham Springs. Gemini, 21st of May to the 20th of June. And uh, this is quite exciting because we have a, a listener-supplied prediction. This was tweeted to us at Horopod from uh, at Taylor Swift. It says... Need alterations or repairs to a suit or dress quickly? Message us today. Cancer, the 21st of June to the 22nd of July. Venus is looming larger and larger for you this month. And larger, and larger, and larger, and larger still. Presumably, you're an astronaut headed for Venus. We're back with Marjorie Gandolfo to talk about the Leap Day, 
So let me start by asking, why is the Leap or LEAP day in February? Good question. So unlike the zodiac or the movements of the stars, the calendar is an arbitrary thing. You can see that in the names of the months. July was named for Julius Caesar, for example. November comes from Novo Maris because that's when the Italian new potato season began. October is named after the October, which legend has it plagued northern Europe in the early 12th century. And we see this in the lengths of the months too. They're all random lengths because some monk or statesman just decided them one day. Right, I've often thought it would make more sense for the calendar to just be mapped to the periods of the 11 star signs. With a month off from mid-August to mid-September? Exactly. So, as I say, the months are entirely arbitrary, but the length of the year isn't. When they were adding leap days to the Gregorian calendar... Oh, they weren't part of the original calendar? No. Rasputin didn't believe in even numbers, so when he was making the calendar, he kept it at 365 for every year. Luckily, after it spread outside of Russia, science started to put things right. Thank God. So, as I was saying, they could have just added the extra day that happens once every four years, wherever they wanted in the calendar. I believe both a longer Christmas and a double New Year were proposed back then. But scientific consensus at the time eventually fell onto what is now February 29th. Then, of course, every 3rd March 1st. And uh, you mentioned this earlier, but there is a reason for that, isn't there? There is. It's actually quite an obvious choice. On that day, if you go outside and look up with the naked eye, you'll see no stars at all. No moon, just an endless void of inky black staring back at you. For one day, we are alone in the void of space all alone. Which obviously made it stand out, so the leap day was added then. And do we know what causes this phenomena? No, not yet. Science isn't really in the business of knowing things. Why do some things float and others sink? Why do birds have different beaks? So, no, we don't know. But we do have theories. My own paper on the subject, which coined the name Lunar Extended Astronomical Period, proposed that it's actually the moon blocking out the stars, hence the name. Now, you'll forgive me. While I'm a horoscopological expert, uh, astronomy isn't really my forte, so that sounds quite technical to me. Maybe you can walk our listeners through how that would work in more layman's terms. It'd be my pleasure. So, I assume you're familiar with eclipses? The moon lining up with the sun perfectly and, because it's closer to us than the sun, blocking it out so it appears that there is no sun. The mechanism, I theorized, is broadly similar but obviously happens at night, when the sun is already gone from view. A darkened moon passes in front of the stars, blocking them out so that it appears the sky is totally dark. If you think about how big the sun appears to us in the daytime and the total size of all the stars if you bundle them together, you'll notice they're roughly the same, so it makes total sense. Plus, some believe the sun is a star, so it's actually a very similar process. I see. Now, I don't normally do this. You're a guest on my show, and you've been very gracious with your time to come and be here. But I think I should address some of the things that other people have been saying about your theory, if only so you have a chance to respond to them on the record, as it were. <sighs> okay, fine. I was hoping we wouldn't have to do this on the show, but go on. Right. Since you published your paper, 
A lot of so-called experts and so-called members of the public have come forward and suggested that your observatory only has a commercially available telescope. We're talking about the kind of thing that you'd buy from a shop for a dad who's desperately trying to develop a hobby to avoid spending time with his children. And that that telescope is based in a major city, meaning that light pollution would account for you not being able to see the stars on the days of your research, and in fact, you'd probably not be able to see them on most nights of the year either. Well, firstly, you're right to call them so-called experts because they have called themselves so. They haven't been given their title by a research unit like the one I work for. They just announced their own right to criticize the work of legitimate... Scientists? I'm also not allowed to say that, but the observatory's lawyers tell me I can say that there are science-like qualities to my work. And how do you respond to the allegation? Look, if you look at the literature, there are accounts by sailors of weird goings-on with the stars going back centuries. Those were people who used the night sky to navigate the world. They knew what they were talking about. We also know that it was very difficult to tell the time at home accurately until the invention of the digital clock, so who's to say on which days those sailors reported those weirdnesses? But what we can find is reports of starless nights out in the dark middle of the ocean, before electric light was even invented. If we assume that for every one of those reports, there are a dozen more that weren't recorded or got lost, and we say that those reports were made on February 29th, and I do and I've yet to meet someone who can tell me they're not. Then we have reports of this going back well before light pollution was even possible. Okay, that, that all seems straightforward, but uh, just playing devil's advocate for a moment here. Is it not possible that those accounts weren't made on February the 29th, but were actually made on one of the other 365 days of the year? Possible? Absolutely. But likely? Well, that's what us researchers are here to determine. More after these predictions. Leo, the 23rd of July to the 22nd of August. The constellation Apus, or the birds, is interacting with your sign quite heavily this month. The best way to think about the effect of that is the story of the ugly duckling. Maybe you feel like you don't fit in at work, or in your relationship. Well, it's time to realise that maybe that's because you're just fundamentally better than those hideous losers. Tell them to sling their hooks and find a higher class of person to hang around with. Libra, the 23rd of September to the 22nd of October. As spring starts to open up and invite us in, your stars show there are lessons to be learned from a natural world. New life and new purpose burst forth from the death of winter. So, follow that lead and find new purpose in death. Avenge him. Find who did it and avenge him.
Scorpio, the 23rd of October to the 21st of November. For you, this month is going to be like a stopped clock. We're back with Marjorie Gandolfo. Uh, Marjorie, I just want to say sorry about the unpleasantness before. Um, you understand we're a public broadcast. We kind of have to ask these sort of questions. But I think we can push past that now. That's okay. You were just doing your job. Great. I want to talk a bit about what effect the LEAP, or Leap Day, will have on the listeners' signs. In a word, huge. Uh, and in more words? A huge effect. Perhaps you could detail for us what those effects would be. Oh, sure. I'd be happy to. Well, as you know, the stars control our destinies. I'm not a scientist, I think I've been as clear about that as I'm required to be, but I think it's now accepted as scientific fact that the stars do that. So, what we're talking about this month, and specifically on the Leap Day, is a destiny-free population. In the past, we had festivals like the Roman Saturnalia, or the medieval English Lord of Misrule, where commoners and peasants will become king for the day in defiance of all natural logic. Well, disgusting as it seems to us in a more enlightened age, on these days people without money would act as if they had it, eating fine foods, wearing elaborate hats, reading. That's the kind of thing you see when people are unhitched from their destiny. Right, so it's a lot of topsy-turvy chaos. All in good humour, but is there a darker side to it? Oh, it's all dark side. People aren't going to know who they are. Except violent outbursts, uncontrollable emotion, hideously corrupted dress sense. This is going to be like a hockey match on a worldwide scale. The flags will fly at half-mast and the rivers will run red with blood of the innocent. Right. And this, of course, happens every four years. That's right. Except every fourth leap year, when there's an extra leap day on top of the standard one. Right. Okay, so why don't we remember the carnage and the mayhem in the intervening years? We don't want to face ourselves. Our true selves. But think back. Think back four years and you know you've tasted blood. Worn all denim to a normal function. Felt bones snap in your hands and loved it all. I, I see. One last quick question, bit of a change of topic. Unless I'm very much mistaken, that's, uh, that's an American accent I can hear, isn't it? That's right. Good spot. You've spoken to us a bit today about all sorts of things. Horoscopology, um, naval navigation, uh, but also British history. Uh, how did you come to be based at a research unit in the UK? Oh, sure. So, I actually had a pretty prestigious job based out of a university in the US and... Well, are you familiar with the so-called scientific consensus on evolution? A big thank you to our guest this month, the extra special Marjorie Gandolfo. And that's the show for this episode. Hopefully now, if you find yourself going absolutely haywire on February 29th, maybe smashing up your car with your hoover, or smearing yourself with honey and attempting to conquer your cul-de-sac as king of the bees, or whatever it may be, you'll know exactly why. And if you do, why not snap a photo and send it to us, at Horropod, on the socials. Goodbye. <laughs>